a very common scenario that um, I see as long as, as well as so many other couples therapists is couples come into session kind of pointing the finger at each other as in my partner is the problem. And it could be for a number of reasons. It could be because, you know, my partner's so depressed. My partner is a narcissist. My partner has trauma um, and all this baggage and they won't let it go. And it's just, you know, uh, one thing after the another, all about the partner and they're the problem. And I want you as the therapist to tell them that and fix them for me. Yeah. You know, or, or it's like, it's almost like they're two lawyers presenting to me, the quote unquote judge, all of their evidence as to why they are right about something and their partner is wrong. And they want me to, you know, show them both. This is the correct answer. Yeah. So then I have a guess. <laughs> so then the opposite of that would be to. So, you know, an ideal situation and I, you know, I really recommend couples try to get into this mindset from the very beginning is if you can shift your focus from pointing the finger at your partner to now directing it at yourself, and this is just in your relationship and this is any aspect of your life where you're finding challenges or struggle is looking within yourself for a sense of agency. Where within yourself do you have control in this situation, right? And a lot of that is um, being open and willing to, again, know the impact that you're having on your partner. That's different from your intent, right? What is your, your intention may be good, but your impact may be hurting your partner in a way, right? Mm -hmm. So so are you willing to look at that? Um, are you willing to see how you manage anxiety and depression yourself or your own difficult emotions, anger, sadness, um, and then recognizing, oh, there are alternative ways for me to you know, communicate or uh, handle these feelings coming up. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Open Mind Night, a show that talks about everything mental health and mental illness related. I am your host, Robin Tamanaha, licensed marriage and family therapist. Joining me on this episode is my guest, Courtney Shanda Shetler. She is a couples therapist and licensed psychologist based in Orange County, California. She received her Master's of Arts degree in Marriage and Family Therapy from Chapman University and her Doctor of Psychology degree in Clinical Psychology from Pepperdine University. She is the owner of SoCal Couples Therapy, an online private practice that specializes in working with diverse couples on the brink of divorce, seeking a fair recovery, and in the premarital pre-commitment phase of their relationship. Courtney is also a wife, mom of two boys, and a child of a blended family representing diverse backgrounds and worldviews. Hi, Courtney. Hello. Hi. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm super excited too. I have so many questions. So I figure kind of go through the basics a little. I think couples therapy is, is super, super important. So could you, um, for the listeners, just describe like kind of what couples therapy is and what exactly a couple may expect. I think that's a common question is what can I expect from this? Yeah, I think whew, it's a big question because there are so many models of couples therapy. So depending on what model a therapist works from, you may expect something different. So um, it, it could vary depending on where 
the couple is in their relationship, for instance, are they premarital? Are they um, just, you know, trying to make through an adjustment, starting a family, um, making a big move, that sort of thing? Or are they um, on the brink of divorce? And that could really dictate what the therapy actually looks like. Um, it is very different from individual therapy from many different standpoints, right? So for instance, uh, one thing I like to point out to couples is that um, you now have someone sitting next to you who can put you in not so great of a light or not really showcase you in the way that you would necessarily want to be shown to somebody, right? <laughs> and um, when you're in individual therapy, you don't have that person sitting next to you saying, hey, you're also doing this, right? Um, and so there's an aspect of that. And so I really try as a couples therapist to make it as, um, to be as non-judgmental as possible and uh, not as humiliating as possible um, for each person and, and to recognize you're each human beings, you're gonna make mistakes, right? Um, and my job is to help you learn more about how you're impacting one another as human beings um, so that you can adjust so that you can have a healthier relationship. Um, you know, in individual therapy, a lot of the work is on emotions and becoming more in tune with them and aware of them. And that definitely is a part of couples therapy, but this takes it another level. So it's not only what are you feeling, but how is the way that you're then acting upon your feelings now impacting your partner? Yeah. Right? I love, so. yeah, I love that description. And you brought up a good point where it's, um, you, know, you mentioned somebody else may not be putting you in such a great light, you know, and I wonder if, you know, that's something that um, may lead someone to be curious, but also hesitant. I think, you know, when it comes to that, because you're right, like there's somebody else there um, bringing up, you know, things about you, but ultimately it sounds like that's still super helpful. And that's yeah. part of the work. And that's, um, I always think of things as like data in a way too. And that's all helpful for moving forward, like in the relationship. Yeah. I mean, just to emphasize that point, there's so much shame and stigma around individuals going to therapy and just what you think of yourself as a human being. But now you have a whole other person sitting next to you saying, no, you also do this and that and all these things wrong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that just amplifies the stigma for so many people. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a lot of work, but very important work, you know, and we think, especially yes. relationships, you know, and so I'm curious, um, when it comes to couples therapy, are there any particular like challenges, um, that may, may arise or may like kind of impede like the progress or process? Yeah. So a very common scenario that, um, I see as long as, as well as so many other couples therapists is, couples come into session kind of pointing the finger at each other as in my partner is the problem. And it could be for a number of reasons. It could be because, you know, my partner's so depressed. My partner is a narcissist. My partner has trauma um, and all this baggage and they won't let it go. And it's just, you know, uh, one thing after the another, all about the partner and they're the problem. And I want you as the therapist to tell them that and fix them for me. Yeah. You know, or, or it's like, it's almost like they're two lawyers presenting to me, the quote unquote judge, all of their evidence as to why they are right about something and their partner is wrong. And they want me to, you know, show them both. This is the correct answer. Yeah. So then 
<laughs> I have a guess. So then the opposite of that would be to. So, you know, an ideal situation and I, you know, I really recommend couples try to get into this mindset from the very beginning is if you can shift your focus from pointing the finger at your partner to now directing it at yourself. And this is just in your relationship. And this is any aspect of your life where you're finding challenges or struggle is looking within yourself for a sense of agency where within yourself, do you have control in this situation? Right. And a lot of that is um, being open and willing to, again, know the impact that you're having on your partner. That's different from your intent, right? What is your, your intention may be good, but your impact may be hurting your partner in a way, right? Mm -hmm. So, so are you willing to look at that? Um, are you willing to see how you manage anxiety and depression yourself or your own difficult emotions, anger, sadness, um, and then recognizing, oh, there are alternative ways for me to, you know, communicate or, uh, handle these feelings coming up. Um, and the couples that I see that are willing to do that, they make so much progress in so short a time. So it not only, you know, it saves them time and money the moment you're able to turn that direction inward. Yeah. Um, easier said than done. I'll say that. <laughs> it sounds like a challenge, but all part of the process, because right. that's part of what's happening maybe within the relationship or with the pattern. So it sounds like, um, just like, I mean, I feel like even cause I do individuals, but you know, it's also that kind of reflecting on yourself, what's happening, you know, taking maybe some ownership, you know, of that and what you would like to be different, right. Moving forward. And so this sounds like more of in a way within the, the, um, relationship realm though. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the benefit of having a couple therapists there is what can easily happen is someone might recognize, oh, shoot, I've, you know, been such a people pleaser my whole life. And now I'm putting my foot down. But what might happen is they're going to the complete other side of the spectrum, where they're now putting a huge boundary down of like, I want a divorce from you, which is the, you know, you're going to the extremes, extreme ends of the spectrum when you want to come to the middle of, you know, finding your voice, setting your boundaries, setting your limits, and also knowing that your partner also has feelings and boundaries and limits and coming to a place where you can have space for both of those things um, is really what I'm trying to get both partners to do. And, and, and I also have empathy and compassion for those couples that do show up, not necessarily ready to look at themselves because it is a scary thing to, to sit with yourself and look at yourself, um, you know, realistically and, um, sit with the pain that sometimes comes with that. of like, shoot, I've been, a, I've been hurting my partner this whole time. That's a hard thing to sit with. Um, so, yeah, there's so many like layers and it sounds like so much comes up. So I could see how it's like so helpful to have a couple therapists in the room to help with this whole process. And even it sounds like also respond in new ways too. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's also different from maybe a couple's coach who is, who's really focused on the future and, and problem solving. And I do some of that too, like solution oriented work. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of actual therapy happening. So it is hard. It can be hard work at times, or it can feel uncomfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and so as a couple's therapist, you have to be just as willing to go to those deep, dark emotions as, as an individual therapist, right? Yeah. 
I feel like therapy's coming along of recent, <laughs> right? Uh, talked about more mental health, mental illness in general. However, still there's some unknowns, you know? So as far as for couples therapy specific, are there specifically, are there any like myths or misconceptions that you'd like to dispel for the listeners? <laughs> um, that is a good question. Um, I think a big piece of it is that I, when they come to me that I'm going to tell them to separate. So a lot of uh, couples fear, like if we go to therapy, that means we're going to get a divorce or they're going to tell us we're not right for each other. Uh, we need to break up. That's a big one. Right. And they've heard, Oh, you know, my, my friends just went to therapy and they ended up getting divorced or breaking up. So I don't want that for myself. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what I typically tell my couples is I don't get a vote in that. I don't get a vote necessarily, unless let's say hardcore situation, there are kids involved, there is severe abuse happening. You know, I would be calling child protective services for one. And I'd also say, this is just not, not only is it unhealthy emotionally wise, it's like physically going to cause you both, you know, stress hormones running through your body, actual illnesses from the amount of conflict between the two of you and your kids. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so for the most part, I will say, I don't get a vote whether you stay together or not. Um, but I will get a vote in terms of if I think you're ready for therapy or not with, with me, couples therapy with me. Right. Like, and, and a part of that is, are they getting to a place where they're starting to take ownership over their role in the relationship? Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Well, this is a nice segue. Cause I have questions about like, like approaches in general. Mm -hmm. Also when it comes to couples therapy, but and maybe you could help kind of like separate this, but being someone who does couples therapy versus trained mm -hmm. in couples therapy approaches, could you kind of help differentiate the two and maybe like, you know, the importance or not of that? Yes. So pretty much anyone who has a license to do therapy could technically do couples therapy. And there are quite a few therapists out there who you'll see, they do individual, they do couples therapy, yada, yada, yada. They do the whole thing, right? Um, and some of those clinicians are very well-trained where they just have years and years of experience or they're older and they have a lot of life experience to really support their work and their efficacy with clients, right? Um, however, what, what most couples therapists find is they'll start seeing couples and then they'll be like, shoot, this is a lot harder than, than I've been prepared to work with that in, in graduate school, you maybe get like a semester, one course on couples therapy, maybe a year at most, and you get limited training, um, while you're getting your hours for licensure in couples therapy often, unless you specifically seek it out. So, um, most couples therapists end up then seeking additional training in some sort of method. So for instance, there's emotionally focused couples therapy, Gottman method, couples therapy, Imago. Those are some big names, uh, developmental approach, that sort of thing. Um, and just the more training you get, the more confident as a couples therapist you can be and just more effective. Um, and so I always recommend if you are, you know, searching for a couples therapist, you ask them, you know, a little bit more or on their website, look for 
what their training has been, what their approach might be. Um, see if that fits for you. Yeah, definitely. I think once, um, once I branched out into the private practice world, all these, um, interventions and treatments opened up things that we didn't even, I didn't learn about in graduate school, things mm -hmm. that are so targeted and helpful. And one of them that I was so amazed was, was within the couples therapy realm. And those ones specifically that you've mentioned and me knowing therapists who are, they're like, maybe they're more Gottman or maybe they're more like EFT for couples or Mago, you know, like, all, and I was thought that was so neat, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think um, for some, there's this like, well, therapists could help sure right but why not also have maybe uh, for curiosity reasons like like you said ask and see um what their training is or i think now yeah like everyone pretty much has it on on our website on the websites on like what what we what we use when mm -hmm. we're helping a particular presenting issue yeah or even just even if they don't necessarily have a specific model you can ask them, what is your approach in working with couples? Like how, what does a session look like? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like psychodynamic approaches to couples therapy look a lot similar, more similar to individual therapy. So it's, you know, I'll let you start the session. You bring in the issues. We'll go from there. I'll follow your lead. And, and for some couples that works and that's, that's really helpful. So for instance, I think on Showtime, there's a couples therapy show and she is more of a, a psychoanalytically based mm -hmm. therapist and she's great at what she does. Um, again, it's, it, it works for some couples. It doesn't work for every couple and, and for some situations, not every situation. Um, and, and I've found that the more training you have, the more tools you have in your toolbox, depending on what, you know, symptoms or, or presenting problems are coming up, mm -hmm. um, to then, you know, that's where the art of therapy comes in. That's where you use different tools, depending on what's being called for. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And um, also just thought of what, going back to what you said earlier about how like when you're dispelling, you know, myths is, um, you know, as far as, oh, the couple may think, oh, are we just going to go in and are we going to divorce or separate, right? I also think the other end as well, where there may not be a guarantee, right? Absolutely. Yes. Um, and what I like to say to couples, especially couples on the brink of divorce is I like to use the metaphor of cancer, um, which is, you know, oftentimes there are certain treatments out there that you might try, but there's no guarantee behind it. And so for some couples, it might be to say, you know, you haven't tried everything, you know, why not try this just to see before you make your final decision to separate divorce or, you know, give up on the relationship, just give it a shot. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I also threw out there. And also there, I know that there are people who have cancer and decide, you know, I just, I don't want to deal with chemotherapy. I want to live out my life and that's respectable too. Right. But it's each person deciding and, and recognizing having that information, there is an option here for you to try. Mm -hmm. Right. And again, putting out that there's no guarantees. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it also sounds like there's, um, to maybe some helpful factors, like you had mentioned, right? Like those, like you mentioned, like people that come in like this, there's, there may be, they do really well, or maybe there's like, you know, they work really, really hard to, you know, kind of dig and like, you know, talk about everything. So yeah. there's so many like layers, I think too, when it comes to what, you know, what outcomes. Yeah. Know? 
Exactly. Yeah. So many factors involved for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I got a question. I know there's, you know, many, there could be many different reasons why like a couple may come in um, for couples therapy. So I'm just going to throw out one and maybe we can like dive in a little on it. Um, And the the topic that I think of is um, like infidelity or like affair Mm -hmm. um, affairs. What, um, what does that look like in couples? And I know, you know, too, this is probably given to each therapist's approach, right. And everything, but for you, like, you know, if you're working with a couple and they're coming in for like a fair recovery, like, what does that look like? Yeah, that is a very good question. And so my training has been more with Gottman for a fair recovery. And so this is not the only approach that there is, but I found it to be important and helpful, which is, um, there's three different phases, a tone, a tune and attach. Okay. So for the atonement phase, the idea is that the person who had the affair, what we might refer to as the betrayer in this instance, um, really needs to atone, apologize, show remorse, um, to the betrayed partner, um, showing that they've really, you know, recognized that this was a problem, that this is a mistake that they made and that it really negatively impacted their partner. Um, this phase also involves answering any questions the person may have about the affair, um, because what happens with an affair is it completely shatters the, the trade partners understanding of their world, of their reality. And so now they really need to be able to piece back together, um, that past, right? Um, so where were you at this time on that date? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, this is what I was doing at that time in that date, Right. And, and it's, it's helping to rebuild trust now knowing that their partner is being honest and open and sharing all this information with them. Um, and so we, we also explain that to the betrayed partner, they may also experience a lot of kind of trauma-like symptoms, such as flashbacks, um, trouble sleeping, hypervigilance, um, depressed mood, that sort of thing. And to help the betrayer partner realize this is going to be Sometimes there's recovery needed for your partner to not have these kind of symptoms anymore. And the more you can work as a team together uh, to heal, the easier it's going to be, right? It's like you're carrying, you're both carrying a bucket of ice water together between the two of you rather than one of you carrying it by yourself. Yeah. 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 Um, And then with the, once they, the betrayed partner feels like, yeah, my partner is starting to take responsibility, really seems to be honest with me and has answered all my questions. Um, then you move to the, um, attunement phase, which is where we start to dig a little bit more into conflict. The couple's had uh, lack of communication. The couple has had, and, and gradually kind of piecing together kind of the why of why it happened. We never directly have the betrayed partner ask why it happened. It's a too big of a question to ask. The betrayer partner may not even have the full answer to that question, if any answer. Um, and so, but gradually through the this attunement phase, they might start to grasp, okay, yeah, we we didn't communicate after the kids were born. We we kind of just became siloed and, you know, didn't have sex, didn't talk, didn't uh, go on dates or do any of that kind of stuff. Right. And so we completely separated ourselves with the kids in the middle of us. Um, and so that's, again, both partners kind of taking some 
knowing some agency in that. Um, and I always emphasize um, to the betrayed partner, they are not responsible for the affair. This is key. And I, and I emphasize that with the betrayer too. You have to take ownership over This is a choice that you made. You could have made a different choice, right? You could have chosen to ask for a divorce. You could have come to your partner and said, I'm really unhappy here before going off and doing this whole lie, right? Um, and so, and so we kind of emphasize this is, this is a big part of the decision you made that you have to take responsibility for. Yeah. Some, some partners kind of struggle with that. And so if they struggle with that, then, then I say to them, you know, we could go keep going, but I need to warn you that may not be sustainable over time. This could just eat away at your relationship, build more resentment for the betrayed partner. It's not in your best interest fascinating yeah yeah that's another a crucial piece, part yeah and another piece that the betrayer partner may often experience is we suggest complete transparency during this time when you're rebuilding trust and to to deal with some of the trauma symptoms is um like being able to look at the phone whenever the partner feels anxious or nervous um you know access to email or just things that otherwise you wouldn't be super concerned about but the more that the other person has that transparency, the easier it will be to settle their nervous system and say, okay, everything's okay. I can see it. I can hear it. I, I know where you are at 12 o'clock on Saturday. <laughs> uh, I don't have to worry about you cheating on me still again. Right. Cause that's the fear is that it's going to happen or it's going to keep happening again. Um, so a lot of partners are like, oh, that feels like parent, child, adolescent, you know, I'm being spied on. I hate that. And again, I have to emphasize, okay, we can go along with that if it feels too invasive of your privacy and it's going to take longer to heal from this. So that, that's a choice, again, you're going to have to make here. Um, and then when we move into the attunement phase, again, it's, it's more of the repairing. So hopefully we've, we've, we have someone willing to go along with this, the betrayed partner. Um, they will feel a little bit more balanced in the couple's therapy in terms of both partners, again, starting to look within themselves at maybe the betrayed partner starting to recognize, shoot, I did, I had a lot of feelings that I never expressed to you. And, and I did start to hold resentment. I did start to be critical of you and not want to have sex with you and, and you know, all these things. Right. Um, so the therapy itself might start to feel a little bit more balanced at that point. And then um, hopefully they'll have gained enough skills to, without me, feel like, okay, we can handle any sort of conflict that arises between us, differences that arise. We feel like we can talk it through um, and work it through, right? While staying connected. And then the last phase would be the attachment phase where we like to add in a little bit more of, you know, what we know works for long-term relationships, such as building rituals into your life where you are you don't have to think about it, but every single day you're connecting on some level with each other um, or you're, you're creating meaning together. Like what is our purpose in life as a couple? What do we want to leave the world or, or community, our family with when we die, right? Big question, life questions that, that hopefully help the couple feel more connected and then setting up, you know, routine check-ins week, weekly. Um, and, and then we also have um, kind of a, a high cost for a subsequent betrayal setup. So like if there were another betrayal, this is what would be the outcome of that. 
Um, and, and that hopefully solidifies the trust between the two of them and the understanding going forward. Um, so yeah, so a lot of work, but <laughs> well, this is amazing. And maybe cause I'm very like much of a structured organized person. So to mm -hmm. me, I feel like that's at least there's like kind of this, there's different stages, yeah. right. And the stages may take however long. Right. Mm -hmm. But the fact that there's like a, like a, some sort of concrete like plan, you know, to, to like help through, this is so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And there, this piece may be for another podcast episode, but the challenge also can arise when the betrayer, the person who had the affair is now asking for a divorce. So now it's a double whammy for the betrayed partner, right? Because now it's, they've both been lied to and their partner wants to divorce them. Right. So that adds a whole other layer that we can talk more about. Um, and I would add it on another element to that atone tune attach model. That would be really key. Um, but it can get messy. I'll just All say that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I definitely want to have you back. So sure. <laughs> to. Yeah. that will be to be continued because that, yeah, that's a whole other piece was, um, we got a few minutes left. Thank you for yeah. that explanation. I think this is, um, that was amazing, you know, and oh, super helpful yeah. for everybody to know. Is there anything I didn't ask about that you'd like the listeners to know? Um, gosh, I could probably talk about this for days. <laughs> right. I, I'd probably just emphasize, you know, try it out and, and know that, you know, if you don't find again, like similar to individual therapy, the fit really matters. So if you both don't feel connected to the therapist and you both don't feel like you're seeing progress early on within the first three to four sessions, it might be time to find someone else. I, I'd rather you stop therapy with that person then sometimes couples therapy can make it worse if there's no progress being made. Mm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's good to know. And there yeah. are many therapists yes. too. So definitely exploring what is the best fit for exactly. sure. And that yep. does have an impact as we know on therapy and progress and just, you know, everything. So, yeah. um, if the listeners would like to find out more about you or get in touch with you, is there a website or social media or anything or contact info that you'd like them to know about? Yes. My website is socalcouplestherapy.com. Yay. So yeah. I will put that in the show notes. Um, okay. That way they can easily click on it um, and check you out. And um, also for the listeners, right? Licensed in the state of California. So yes. Yeah, as long as you're a resident of the state of California. <laughs> I'm I'm like in the process of trying to get licensed in Oregon and it's oh. been uh, kind of a challenge. So uh, yeah. that may or may not happen in the future, but <laughs> California as of now. California as of now, yeah. maybe Oregon. Yeah, <laughs> it's so interesting, all the different processes. I was looking at Washington State. Yeah, so. Similar to Oregon, actually, I think. A little bit harder than Oregon, but similar. Oh boy, here we go. Yeah, yeah all yeah. the paperwork. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, well, thank you um, so much for doing this and being on. This was super helpful. And like I said, you're coming back. So yeah, listeners can uh, can stay tuned for, for part two. And I have questions about other, other topics as well. So Lovely. Yeah. All right, take care. You too. Thanks for listening. Hopefully this was informative or helpful. If you think this episode may be helpful to others that you know, be sure to share this episode with them. 
The resources mentioned and the contact information for today's guest are listed in the show notes. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating. If you would like to stay up to date, please subscribe to this podcast and follow the podcast Instagram at OpenMindNightPod. Also, this podcast is not psychotherapy or counseling. If you need to speak with a professional, you should find one local to you and contact them directly. If this is an emergency, please call your local emergency number or go to your nearest emergency department.